as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Joining me is Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Greetings, my fellow horror fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the what's the weather like where you're at. It is raining cats and dogs here. It feels like um, the beginning of a murder movie. <laughs> not not raining, but it's definitely uh, cloudy, overcast, uh, kind of humid. It's fit for a gallop. <laughs> that, that that is how you Perfect. pronounce it, right? Uh, yeah, gi- giallo and giallo. Okay, thank you. And so that that's what's weird is like it's Italian, not uh, Spanish, and yet at the same time still you know, kind of that way you pronounce the L, you know, like a Y. Giallo. You say giallo, I say giallo. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> oh wait, how about jello? But then we're going to make Bill Cosby references. I was about to say it. I was about to say it. Your word's not mine. You saved me the trouble. (laughs) Be here playing 4D chess. (laughs) Jesus. This is just like the episode last night where we were talking Jeepers Creepers. And it was like, uh, I was just waiting for who was going to bring up the filmmaker's pedophile history first. (laughs) And do an art versus reality argument. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Wolfiello, one of my favorite favorite YouTubers, he's all about horror movies, and he, uh, earlier this year, or was it last year, posted a review of Clown House, and he was making constant, very sarcastic references to uh, Victor Salva, and just, I think that's the best way to do it, is don't take the man seriously, treat him for the joke that he is. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly, I mean, because, and... Many of these Jallo guys, which is a good segue for this, you know, have True. been accused of being, being mis- misogynistic. Some of it was valid. Some of it was they're just they got a twisted mind and they just like seeing oh. gore and. Oh gee, H- horror movies misogynistic. Who, who would ever thought it? Paris the thought. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, to be fair, I mean, some of it is just concern of, you know, it's clearly by people who don't understand any of these genres that they take movies too seriously. And it's like, mm-hmm. just cause it's got something controversial doesn't even necessarily mean it's exploitation. It's just, it's not your kind of movie. Clearly it's just very violent. And 
Go ahead and call us all psychopaths. I mean, you, like, you, wow. you, you, you cannot look at some of the cinematography of Giallo and say it's not an art form in itself. But you can look at some of the other stuff that was in there and say, yeah, that's pretty exploitative. Mm-hmm. And if anything, they're at least just a B-grade movie that, you know, with a capital visionary. Um, yeah, by a visionary with a capital B. It's like, yeah, okay. Ed Wood would be proud. <laughs> Ed Wood would be proud. Scorsese probably jacked off too much to too many of these movies. There's plenty of other people who probably uh, shouldn't have watched. Not <laughs> Couldn't resist. I always felt something was wrong with that dude. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I had trouble getting into these because many of these movies, I, I. They weren't at my video stores really sucked in my area, so I did not yeah. see many of these. And cable TV definitely wasn't going to play too many of these because you know you, you edit it, then there is literally no movie. <laughs> um, yeah, in a way, that's part of the charm of this particular subgenre is that you know, so, sort of like the early days of anime when you had things like Speed Racer, where the ones that did hit U.S. shores were something so unique and different for their time that it just, it left a lasting impact. Uh, totally. And it, it was at the right time, at the right audience, and I, I, I just, even just acquiring them, as opposed to just forwarding, you know, your father or your uncle's antenna channel recording was also kind of a charm. Yeah. I, I think that was definitely a charm with these kind of movies, like, I've seen some Italian European movies be edited for TV, but very, very few. Like my, they're more likely to do like a James Bond ripoff or murder yeah. mystery with an international star and air that because you know, content aside, they're, they there's just not. It, it's probably cheaper to afford. While these Giallo movies are by all the big you know indie acquired companies, and you really did have to seek them out at. And it was it couldn't. Sometimes you weren't going to be able to find it for years. They it just wasn't available except for like, yeah, and uh, uh, region restrictions and uh, even the movie channels would show them very very sparsely. It it was it, despite having all the time in the world and being on cut, they huh. they wouldn't play as too many of them, except like unless it was again like some of these Argento ones. And, and and these are the type of movies where, you know, editing them for TV, it really is an absurdity. Oh, yeah. Uh, could you picture <laughs> Suspiria for TV? Why, why would you bother? <laughs> you know, not to veer off topic here, but it's a story from Bruce Campbell about how he actually took part in editing Evil Dead 2 for TV. For, for, for network TV, I mean. And it's never been aired. It probably never will be. But according to him... Having to cut down on the over-the-top gore and some of the nudity and just focusing on the actors' horrified expressions, it actually made the violence more realistic. Yeah, I would imagine it. it even when you take out a fear component of that, you're still going to have something that's freaky and you're like, oh my god, what's what's happening? And... I, I, can t I can totally see that with, uh, with Giallo. There's just... Um... You know, you cut out the more over-the-top elements. What you're left with is actually something pretty semi-realistically violent that that makes it even worse exactly because much like any serial killer movie you take out the horror elements it's still a crime drama or mystery yeah. movie in, in a way it's almost like looney tunes that it's better <laughs> it's it's better when the violence is done in such an over-the-top cartoony way that 
you know this is unrealistic. Exactly. And, I mean, the people who get it, they get it. Those who don't get it, well, you know, we can't help you. It, it, you, you and these aren't too, uh, too bad a movie if you were to see it at an art house theater, especially when you see how Sage Stallone and Roger Avery and those guys were remastering <laughs> something like uh, Lucio Falsi's uh, The Beyond. And um, I'm not going to mention that one because it's kind of gotten its due as one of the best Giallo movies, despite being roasted at the time. Uh, but I do feel like uh, many of these Giallo movies that are looked down uh, are either because I think Giallo kind of falls into a popularity contest, unfortunately. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, some people are going to swear off certain filmmakers. Ah, they don't understand it. And it's like, well, Giallo is pretty much a build on to noir. It's really not a genre so much as just a style. And people like it yeah. because uh, aside from it not being done yet, it was also just uh, you wanted to see what I wouldn't say what someone could get away with content wise, but also just um uh, try something that whether it was mainstream or independent you you just didn't know what kind of a movie you were in for and it was either going to really bother you or you were going to watch it with a bunch of film buff friends and be blown away by it and be like oh man we got to go to this art house theater way more often because <laughs> the thing with it is that as cheesy and gory and sexual as the movies often were there's no denying that the way they were filmed really was, for its time, innovative. And it incorporated all these different styles, like film noir, where like just the camera angles, the lighting, the close-ups, it was something so dynamic for its time. Oh, absolutely. And I, I really... Did any of your... Did you take any film courses, like just like movie viewing college courses, where they showed any I, of these? I, honestly, no. I'm entirely amateur. No, that's that's fine because I I didn't learn shit at film school, but I mean, uh, I was always puzzled as to why there was just a huge lack of Italian movies on all these stupid classes. You know, it's like you already have to get three hours in watching a, a movie that's either really good or really overrated and pretentious, and the European stuff. I mean, there was maybe one or two Costa Scabras or Coppola or Bertolucci movies, but th there wasn't any of this. You know giallo stuff and i was like okay i always heard that those were well-regarded movies so what the hell why is that, why aren't those on the list <laughs> why is big lebowski and all these other cult movies no. on here instead? <laughs> don't get started no it's fine <laughs> I, I, it, it just no. seemed like it was a popularity contest and they just copied the imdb top 250 instead yeah, of to, to, to be fair some of the giallo films just the uh the titles alone are Gonna be something I'll keep off the list. Or Gosmo, uh, like Death Laid an Egg. <laughs> yeah, some of the titles you could definitely not say is like just leaving it Italian. <laughs> and it's all the more ironic to me for the time period because this was at a point when pornos were still being shown in movie theaters. Mm -hmm. And some of these do have some of those moments. Some of them were actors who, in between zombie movies, were also doing those kinds of movies, so yep. <laughs> under different names, but. Um, and, and, I, and they were considered art, no less. Yeah, Emmanuel. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to the Podcasting After Dark podcast, some older episodes, and they talked about how some of those movies premiered back in, like, uh, 
mid 88 and they were just amazed at just it was the first time you know, when they see the content guideline the first time they would see stuff like extreme gory violence or extreme yeah, or explicit sexual content <laughs> like not sexual content explicit <laughs> and, and like anyone paid attention to that to that system even then no of course not they were waiting for their parents to go to bed so they could Sneak in the VCR. Right, right. The, the, the number of the number of guys of my dad's age group, I'm showing my age here with this one, who their own dad would sneak them into this kind of stuff just for a father son bonding moments. <laughs> yeah, and that that was kind of also the fun growing up of James Bond movies. It's like, oh, I'm seeing some adult content I probably shouldn't be seeing, but it's in a mainstream movie, so. <laughs> Someone approved it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like my grandfather in his uh, his man cave in his basement with his pool table. <laughs> he 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 had these portraits. Well, they're reproduction portraits in the wall, basically nudes, and it was his way of getting around my grandmother disapproving by saying, "Oh, this is art." <laughs> <laughs> As if we had to. That is also another sneaky thing. It seems like you have to get away with photography or paintings to literally call it art it's like if you have to get to that point then you really need to re-examine what art means art means yeah. it's something you can judge it when you can't judge it i mean and this is again what some of these slashers and pornos are accused of is like oh i can't judge it. it's like well no you can judge it did you find it exciting so to speak or did you find it a bore <laughs> or tasteless to where it's not even trashy fun it's just stupid <laughs> so, oh and and Giallo is in its own way an art form because, like I said, just they innovated so many like cinema, cinematography techniques that are so common today. But for the time, this had to have blown a lot of audiences away just to see the kind of stylistic choices they were making. Stylistic, and I mean, like you say, it just it it, it was kind of before Dogma '95, you know, was taken up. Yeah. Uh, all these other just works where you're like, ah, I can't describe it. Maybe I'm a bad critic because I don't get it. Or maybe they don't get it. Maybe they made shit up and maybe I can describe it. You know, it's just that whole just, it's pretty much just like defending a good or a bad movie. You have to pretty much, is like, do you really know it all that well to even begin to form an opinion? And maybe you got to watch these a few other times. Like the Beyond, I'm going to have to watch it a few more times just to put up a review. But I already know it's my kind of movie, and I think I have enough to just say, hey, I really think this is a good movie. Yeah, and some sometimes you do got to watch the movie over and over just to really get the depth of it, I guess. Just the stuff you, when you're blown away enough in the first viewing, there's a lot of stuff you will miss. Uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, I would hope that there's enough to pick up on to where. You're not just going to be a hack critic and just put the first adjective that comes to mind and say, go see it. You won't regret it. It's like, I think anybody can do a good job just explaining these kinds of movies to where it's not going to just be a violent argument. Even I think it's just going to be a matter of I like the twist ending and they they people like them better. Like it's kind of like with Hong Kong movies. I'm more likely uh -huh. to give those a pass than I will an American movie because I know an American movie budget aside and all that, they have no, no, I, I can tell when they've been dicking around. 
I, I can <laughs> tell when they've literally wasted a superstar and given them nothing to do as either an actor or a stunt performer. And it's just like, okay. Then you can, you can, you can also tell when said superstar is phoning it in. Uh, yes. Yeah. You always just get that general vibe of, Oh, no one wants to be here today. And with foreign films, they, they covered up better. And they also, I don't, it's like, they know when to quit. It's like, okay, just stop. <laughs> and then try every once in a while, reboot it or just make it loose, just related in name only. Then no one will definitely not care. Just you know, go what, see what, it. One of my favorite examples that I guess we can loosely tie it into Giallo, it's very much along the same lines, Caligula. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, P Peter O'Toole was so blatantly shit-faced in all of his scenes, he just did not give a flying you-know-what. Mm -hmm. And the number of times you see him just glancing at the camera like he's saying, yeah, I'm looking at you. Yeah, and I mean... I'm sure everyone learned from it, uh, just because good what or bad. They, what they learned, we don't want to know, but... Oh, well, no, no, no. I'm not even talking content-wise. I think it was also just be careful who your agent is, be careful who, yeah. you know, just look. Uh, there's many people today who I see trying to get into independent film, and they get some of those actors who star in anything. Is like, yeah, but those guys even have a limit, too. They're still going to look and see, hey... Who, who's funding that movie? They might have worked on another piece of shit I was on that didn't get finished, you know? So, uh, I mean, with these movies, like, they have, so to speak, they they did have a lot of similar Caligula people where they would go from making a Escape from New York or Mad Max ripoff to, you know, X-rayed stuff, and then back to Giallo. Like, they were in all those free departments because they were, it didn't matter. They, you could call them whores. You could call them mercenaries. They knew how to do all three categories and get them done on time and have fun with their style. Uh, I very, very much on Jesus Franco. I just feel like eh, he just makes so many boring, you know, sleaze fests and vampire movies. But I know some people will swear by him and say, oh, I like that one Dracula movie he did. <laughs> so, when, when in doubt, go eat drinks. Yeah, drink up or get a bunch of movie buds in the room and just get ready to rumble <laughs> uh so these ones i think stand the test of time way better than some of these stupid 80s and 90s you know american slashers because i will you know, agree with that well and because how, how many movies would you say you revisited and you're like ah oh, that twist ending what were they thinking and, and it's like these like part of the style and just aside the ambiguity aside you were just fine with the shocking ending. It's like that didn't make any sense, but oh, I want to watch it again. You know, it's in a in a way, it's almost like the precursor to Stanley Cooper's The Shining. You know, that, did, that, that, did, that's an infinitely watchable movie. Oh yeah, did, did did he was he a fan of Giallo? That part I don't know. I have to I have to recheck again. But you could actually thinking about it, you could see like almost the influence. Yeah, I mean, there's especially the hallway scene alone with the, you know, fountain of blood. <laughs> it has and, to be. And, and with The Shining, much like Jello, you you can rewatch it over and over. And there's so many little things you miss that make you look at the movie and say, huh, maybe this is what really happened. Or maybe maybe that character was really doing this. Or I had to. I mean, there's no yeah. way you're going to pick up on the Native American house right away because they just really downplay it <laughs> yep 
what that what, what that guy getting blown by the teddy bear means. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what that means, and I always forget about it until I'm rewatching. I'm uh, like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to explain it to you because I've read the book, but. Uh... <laughs> oh shit! Okay, well, <laughs> we will definitely have to. But um, but yeah, think, thinking in terms of that, like so much Giallo, like the endings were ambiguous, kind of The Shining, but that is what makes them so rewatchable because you're trying to figure out, okay, what the hell did I just see? <laughs> yeah, and and then I wouldn't say you become insecure, but you didn't. You do become is like. Maybe I need to start paying better attention. Maybe I need to... <laughs> something's up that I gotta rewatch this. <laughs> and and much like The Shining, like just I, I hate to be repetitive, but like just the techniques they used were so innovative. And one of my favorite aspects with Giallo was the way that they would frame the eyes. Yes, uh, I, I mean hell, they're on the posters. <laughs> yeah, I mean as as a lover of animation and Japanese anime, that's always a key element for different characters is how their eyes are drawn in a way that reflects their characterization. Uh, and when I look at that as a horror fan, I could see the almost the Giallo influence on a whole generation of animators. Uh, yeah, uh, there's definitely... Uh, Japan is very Giallo-inspired. Who knows? Maybe the Italians ripped them off. I don't know. <laughs> if anything, the Japanese went and took it even further. Like that, <laughs> of, of all horror genres that I've watched, Korean and Japanese, those are some where I look at them and I just I feel like, you know what, I, I got to turn this off. I can't take it. Yeah. And you don't want to be closed minded. And at the same time, it's like, uh, well, mm, is it going to make any sense? <laughs> I'm going to lose my credibility by turning it off. <laughs> and it makes me realize just what a pussy I am as a, as a U.S. horror fan. I don't know, man. You you watch some movies that I don't think I could bear. I mean, I still haven't gone for any of those cannibal movies. <laughs> it just, I've just seen reviews and it's like, that. that's all I can take it. You guys got to the best moments. I wouldn't have even gotten past the 20-minute mark, <laughs> let alone the five-minute mark. <laughs> Well, with a lot of the cannibal ones, I tend to go in having done my my research on them, and I walk in oh. feel like, oh, I I walk in feel like, wait a minute, that's what they were talking about. Oh, give me a break! <laughs> and you can tell some of those guys they they just got a way stronger stomach, or just they they pretty much had the MST Free K Joe Bob uh, mentality, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna watch this. And hate myself even more, and my pain will be everyone's humor, and they will laugh at me, and I will have done my job. <laughs> and you know, I think even Joe Bob said the the sawing scene from Terrifier was too much for even for him. Oh, I, I it had to be. I mean, and at the same time, they're going for that aspect too, so it makes it even harder to critique. Yeah. Is like they did their job, but am I the audience for it? Can I even give it a? That's all the more. It's all the more funny to me having met the guy who plays Art because he's really a insanely nice guy in person. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I oh, mean, yeah, he's, he, he's very down to earth. He's very appreciative of his fans, and we'd never met in person before. We only interacted via social media, but he recognized me on the spot. Huh. And so, like, he saw you at the convention and asking well, certain questions. Well, sorry to veer off the topic here, but I was in line for his table to get autographs and whatnot. I shook his hand and. I said, actually, we've met before, and he said, we have, and I told him who I was, and he said, yes, I recognize you now. <laughs> Perfect. And that, that's a blessing. I mean, because 
Uh, it does get annoying when someone likes to troll someone's page or act like, oh, he never responded back to me. It's like, well, maybe he didn't know if you were serious or not. So why be better to be safe than sorry? He's like, I'm not going to reply to that weird looking, you know, comment. <laughs> Somehow I've been spared that so far. Uh, that's good. Of course, cause... of course, of course. Now that I said it, now that I said it. <laughs> I mean, unless he wants to listen to this, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, uh, many of the Giallo guys, I don't really see them at conventions. Uh, like, maybe on sparse occasion. I'm sure a lot of them did it back in the day. They would be at a comic book store. Yep. Uh, uh, but mean, the, 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 the convention culture is a more recent innovation. Totally. And, I mean, it it always went in waves anyway. They wanted to buy copies of their movies that everyone saw just to... <clears throat> see how, what everyone else was seeing and how their general impression, or they were just in love with, with themselves and signing videotapes and DVDs. Or just at the desperate. Time. Yeah, they're desperate, definitely. So they were going to definitely uh, be at a mom and pop or a blockbuster video that needed some extra business. <laughs> uh, I got stories. Not as many as others, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll spare even the name of that infamous celeb that was and there. And it, it was the days before the convention circuit. <laughs> there was money to be made there. Right. Before everyone was trying to steal each other's traffic. Um, and I think in a way, Giallo, that's why it works. Everyone was leaning on the other and saying, oh, I see what you did there. So I'm going to have a, I'm going to rip off your ending and then change it to this and this fucked up aspect. So there you go. It's even more. <laughs> There, there, was, there was a definite of, of them kind of swiping off each other, for lack of a word. Maybe inspiring each other is more more of a nice way to say it. But you, they had you could, to. You, you could see a bit of a professional rivalry. They were like, oh, you did this. I'm going to do it even worse. <laughs> and sometimes the worse might even make it appeal more. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so uh, upping, upping the ante with each other. Yeah, I mean, I prefer that definitely over uh, some of the other, uh, you know, recent rivalries we've seen, you know, where uh, they call them twin movies here in the States. Uh -huh. But I'm, I'm sure I don't know what they call them overseas, but it, it was just more kind of just fun. See what Jackie Chan's going to do versus what Chet Lee's going to do. And yep. here, uh, you know, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Yeah, you got to have the Planet Hollywood trio, and then you got to have all their other knockoffs. And every, meanwhile, all the karate guys go straight to video and make just as big a killing. So, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, so, these Giallo guys, uh, we, we're talking with Underrated, and since many people know Argento, uh, uh, I'm going to mention a movie you were familiar with. I'm uh -huh. going to bring up uh, Giallo 2009, which is In, a send up nice of the genre. Inspiration film. Uh, there's that, and uh, it pretty much got blasted, and uh, they, they it became better known for the behind-the-scenes bullshit versus what was on the screen. I actually had quite a blast watching this one. I, I don't think it's Argento's best by any means, but I, I nope. would still recommend everyone just check it out, uh, especially because Adrian Brody is in a dual role as both the inspector and the killer. And... Uh, I would have never guessed. Um, Peter Sellers type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple characters each film. It's funny how that is, because, I mean, um, 
basically, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, if it weren't a Blake Edwards movie, you would definitely, yeah, it's, it's just a kind of just mind blowing kind of, uh, moment. And, uh, they labeled it as torture porn. I think they were definitely going for the saw crowd, but without actually sewing a lot of that, you know, misogynistic or messed up violence, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, everyone just got so caught up in that the investors didn't pay, you know, Brody his SAG card fee, and so then he blocked the use of his likeness in the posters until it was paid. So it's like people like to focus on the negative. I just go into the movie with an open mind and just try and say, you know, even if it's bad, I try to see if it, it wasn't the worst of the year by any means. It was just a, you know, a disappointment or a mild misfire. Yeah. <laughs> It's the and Argento has a big enough resume where I can talk all day about it, and any you know lesser moments in his career is I just gloss them on by because for whatever reason they just don't stand out to me as a sore thumb compared to say maybe something that De Palma or George Lucas might have done. <laughs> uh, so when when did you encounter this movie? Uh, Honestly, not till probably about 10 years after it had been released. Um, I didn't even hear about it when it was out. Same. Um, you know, I was, I was only just really starting to develop my true obsession with horror. I've always loved horror, but I was only at that point where I was thinking, maybe I can make this my life. So Giallo was not much of a factor for me. I was all about the Universal Classics. I was all about the 80s slashers. But uh, learning to love the different subgenres, I think on one previous podcast we were both in, I mentioned that I love Hammer, which I did not encounter until I was in my 20s. Same. And, I, I didn't I, get and, into it until college. Yeah, and I compared Giallo to Hammer in some ways that they were willing to push those boundaries and to use just utterly gorgeous sets. Yeah, they definitely had kind of a more theater approach where the staging... And the actual set is the star, and I mean, then we get yeah. the stars for you know. That, that's that's what that's why I compare it to The Shining, and that it's really the set is practically part of the cast itself. Totally. I mean, because you, you watch these movies, and you just really don't. Uh, it you you get way you you know if you don't get it right away, you, that it, it's probably your mood because basically. Uh, you want to also just give it the benefit of the doubt is like, this is kind of a spectacle of a different kind. This isn't like, you know, whatever new war movie or other spectacle, historical epic that's out. And it's like, okay, well you can pretty much tell within the first 20 minutes, if you're going to like this movie or not, because it's all, uh, you know, based on the attention with that and what it, you what it makes use of its time. But with these, I mean, you're you're willing to just kind of sit through and just aside from the bag of tricks also know that there's going to be just something else that just that not hit you. yeah and uh, you didn't always lose your lunch but you definitely <laughs> uh would have moments where it's like man i i yeah, I'm not sure like, I can recommend this. Yeah, much of the japanese movies there are times where it's like uh, yeah maybe you're pushing a little too far here <laughs> yeah it'd be great if you cut out that one gross segment and everything else fine i'd recommend this movie and uh actually since we're talking about the 2009 movie one of my favorite uh giallo tributes if you will that i came on to because of horror block when that was still a thing the editor oh, 
yes, the editor is the star of these. Yeah, movies. that that that's that's such a fun, corny little tribute movie, and it's actually got some really great music for for such a lame production. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, more or less. The the music, the scene in the bedroom with the shadow figure with the one eye showing, it blew me away. <laughs> Very much so. But uh, it's just fun how many little nods and winks they throw in there to someone who's seen Giallo, and you just you know it instantly. It's it's like um, Mike Myers with the Austin Powers movies, all those little cliches they gotcha. pay tribute to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they, they uh, you know before Tarantino was making a living doing such as like yeah, uh, I, <laughs> those movies are definitely by people as like they flat out grew up on it. <laughs> circulated enough oh so and uh i'm I'm gonna let you pick one i'm just one that just stuck with you um let me think here for a second sorry um honestly hmm, i think it would have to be being a true crime lover for me would have to be it's not even an italian movie it's the monster the monster of london by uh, edvin's how do you say this? Zibonek? Zibonek? Um, He's German. Uh, Zibonek. But it's a, yeah, it, but the, th- the thing that I love about this is that it really kind of like coincided with the monster of Florence, a real-life Italian serial killer. Hmm. And there's so many eerie parallels that you almost wonder, was there some inspiration going on there? <laughs> I mean... For more or less, that, that there had to be, and I mean, if they weren't inspired, they at least still got Ennio Morricone to score their movie. <laughs> uh, how about you? Any particular favorites? Uh, I'll always. Uh, I'm gonna go with another uh, one. Uh, uh, many of these are. I, I actually discovered this by listening to "They Must Be Destroyed on Sight" podcast. Uh, they brought up a uh, stage fright, uh, '87 slasher. Not a bad one. Oh, you've seen that one. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, this one got is pretty widely available, surprisingly. Like, there's been many DVD and Blu-rays of it, and uh, it's on Walmart's Voodoo streaming, um, where I saw it for free uh, on there. Um, uh, but I, I didn't even see the poster until we started recording, but I, it just was one of those. Everyone was talking about it, and I, I had heard the name and just loosely and a bunch of other movie suggestions, and so I was like, yeah, I gotta definitely uh, check this one out. And I feel like it's just another perfect example of how to be larger than life and just have escapism. There's so much stuff. If you did it in an American movie, you would be like, oh, for God's sakes. You know, if Corman, Roger Corman did something like this, you'd be like, oh, God, you didn't even bother. You didn't try, (laughs) you know, because it'd be too cartoonish to the point of, yeah, no, that's just stupid. But here they there's enough life imitating art and all these stage actors back to the stage guys, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, being, you know, chastised and, you know, harassed by this killer. And it, the plot twist not adding up is part of the charm in this one. It, it just really, it just makes you just, it, it's the right way to do deception. So. You know, some, some of these films, the twist ending is what they call a Risso swerve in pro wrestling. Where... <laughs> Yeah, where, where it makes no friggin' sense at all. 
Some other ones, it actually does when you... It, it can take you a while to think about it, for sure, but once you come back to it, you can see, okay, they did set that up. Yeah, they, they totally did. It, it's just... It, because And most of these people, they, it kind of was their, so to speak, uh, if not a Friday night movie, it was just their routine. It's like, hey, yes, they're showing this. I've heard good stuff about it. You know, so-and-so raved about it. And uh, fortunately... Ebert, Roger Ebert and other people were hard on some horror movies, but they seem to be pretty cool with movies like these because they were at least knew what they were going for and gave them the benefit of the doubt. It's like, okay, I don't get it. That's my problem. It's still, it's not, it's not awful. It's just uh, viewer discretion advised. <laughs> um, I definitely also, uh, I just feel like this one is just so underrated for 1987. That's a big year. And um, to actually just go to distance and be comfortable doing its own thing was definitely part of the charm. And, and that was actually a time when the uh, the excess of like horror in the eighties was start to start to just starting to die off. Yeah, totally. And before we get you know Wes Craven and other people just rooting it back up, it just we had just too many just copycats. Everybody's got to. Yeah, come it up got oversaturated. And it is a shame because, you know, just going, we cover so many cult franchises here and so many of them are actually pretty good. When you, it, it boils down to it, it's just, uh, I mean. People, uh, people, get, people get sick of it. You give them too much, eventually they're going to start regurgitating. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what else would you one i mean i mean you know in, in the 50s it was giant lizards and giant bugs and whatnot and then the 80s it was these slashers like jason and freddy and pinhead and <laughs> uh, i mean now we got superheroes how long is that going to be before everyone is like enough i i will confess that one's lasted longer than i anticipated yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, I i say that as an unabashed comic book geek i love a lot of the Marvel movies, but it's a genre that I'm starting to feel like, yeah, how long are you guys going to keep going with this? Uh, totally. Uh, how many uh, people are just going to get sick? <laughs> and it's it's my tremendous disappointment. We have not gotten, at least in the States so far, the really, really cheap knockoffs. We have not gotten a Pew Mayman yet. And the Puma Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was totally like, you know, Superman in the, the late 70s trying to rip it off. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, everyone knows it, I guess, just from MST Free K, but, I mean, everyone has to and remember, I, and, this was a thing. And, and I'm still determined to get that music as my ringtone. I'm sure you could. I mean, is it on YouTube? Somewhere? It's, it is, yes. I'm, I'm just a total idiot when it comes to that kind of thing, YouTube capture or whatnot. Oh, you, you know, it'd actually be a piece of cake. Uh, you just, uh, I mean, I do this also with some of these Giallo-type movies and other rare movies. Uh, you just <laughs> would, uh, if you have a download of the movie, you know, you would extract the audio. Usually there's an option in QuickTime. And, or you can go on YouTube and just do one of those MP3, you know, extract it by typing it into the URL and it downloads it to your server. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've only just begun to experiment with using clips for my my own channel the nightmare nerd and i'm hoping it will help increase my viewership because up to now my channel's been very dull <laughs> oh damn and ho uh, hopefully i will get some giallo going in there too i'm sure i'm sure you can do it i mean 
more or less, uh, it, it's also, I mean, I've been experimenting with this. I, I heard someone to do my theme song. Um, it, it really is just kind of just you set aside an afternoon and you just chug away at it. <laughs> yep. And only then from there can you say it was worth it and worth the trouble. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us in. And uh, where can we find you on the interwebs? Well, to get my plug, thank you so much for having me. As always, you can find me, The Nightmare Nerd, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I've got a lot of content coming up, but Debbie and I, we're heading into Halloween, so stay tuned. As always, eat, drink, and be scary. (laughs) All righty. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, and have a pleasant evening. You got it. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, no, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, 
he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes of gratuitous movies It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 
The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.